0: Hey, I want to pray for us, and, uh, and what I want you and I to do is really prepare our hearts to get ready to receive God's Word. I think there's something powerful that happens when you and I take a moment to just say, okay, God, hey, everything I'm carrying, everything I brought in with me, I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to pick up whatever you have for me today. So will you join me in that prayer? Lord, we just come to you today open, ready to receive your Word, ready to receive your truth, and we ask... And in these next moments, as we open your word and we talk about your goodness, your love and your mercy, that our lives would be forever changed. Lord, I thank you that whatever we came in carrying, we don't have to leave with in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, as you're sitting down, high five somebody and tell them you look like you lost weight. It is so great to be with you. This morning at Propel Church, my name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. Maybe you're here with us for the first time. We want to welcome you today. The only thing we ask is that, hey, at some point during the worship experience, you fill this out, or you can stop by the Welcome Center out in the lobby and out there. You can you can fill it out on an iPad if you don't want to do it uh, through your handwriting. No matter what you do, if you fill this out for us, I'd love to send you a thank you note for being a part of our worship experience today. And I'm not the only one who's excited you're here. Church, can you help me welcome every person who's here for the yeah. first time? We're excited that you're here today. I believe that that God has a word for you. But I'll be honest, uh, I, I didn't really know what the word was until a couple of days ago. So we plan everything out here At Propel Church, and we're stepping into some uncharted territory today because this is our fourth January as a church. It's the first January we've ever had where we didn't have to cancel a worship experience due to snow. And so I had this incredible plan. I told our team back in December, I said, guys, I got this great idea. We're going to plan out the whole month of January, but then we'll leave the whole month of February open. That way, if we have snow, we can just bump things a couple of weeks and we're going to be perfectly fine. We didn't get no snow in the month of January. And so I was kind of stuck. I was like, God, what are, you, what are we going to talk about? What, what are we going to do today? And, and uh, I spent all of last week in Arizona, I flew out there on Monday for a conference. To, to It was called the Dream Conference. I was learning about dreaming. And and I will tell you this, though. Um, while I was in Arizona, it was 30 and 40 degrees. So I don't know. I didn't mean to take it with me. I heard y'all had great weather while I was gone. And I came back, it got cold again. And so some of y'all are like, you can leave, Pastor. But I went to Arizona, and and we talked about dreaming. We learned a ton While I was out there, and I just wanted to share a word with you today all about dreaming. I think you and I as followers of Jesus, even if you're not here today, and and maybe you're still testing the waters, you're like, I don't really know if I I believe this whole God thing. Up First, I want to say you are welcomed in this place. Like this is a place where you can belong before you believe. We like to say you can even belong before you behave. Amen? So no matter where you're at today, you can belong but I believe that a dream is necessary for your life and my life. Like when we dream, when we look at it, we are creating a preferred future for where we want to go. But most of us don't dream for a couple of reasons. I think first, maybe you don't know how to dream or, or what to dream about. Or maybe maybe you're just currently settling for wherever you currently are rather than dreaming about what could take place in your life. I believe that what God wants you and I to do is to dream really big, to believe him for the impossible, to allow him the opportunity to show off and show out that he is God and can move mountains. And so what I want to do, I want to walk through the story of a young man named Joseph today. If you have a Bible, you can go with me to Genesis chapter 37. Um, you can use your eyelids, your iPhones, iPads, or it's going to be on the screen. So if you want to do it on the screens, that's great. But if you don't have a Bible, hey, we'd love to give you one. And the way you do that is at the end of the worship experience, stop by the next steps table, and we'll give you a Bible free of charge because we want to make sure you have access to God's Word. Genesis chapter 37 tells us about a young man named Joseph, but I gotta give you a little bit of backstory. See, Joseph had a lot of brothers, and Joseph was also dad's favorite. They're coming from a family of twelve. And when you're dad's favorite, what dad does is dad makes you a coat of many colors. So Joseph wears this coat with pride. He wears it to, to show all of the other brothers, hey, I'm dad's favorite. And not only that, Joseph has this other big issue, uh, much like younger brothers. See, I'm, I'm the oldest in the family, but, but all my, my younger siblings, they were tattletales, right? <laughs> Joseph, Joseph was the same way. His brothers are out in the field and they do a couple of things they shouldn't be doing. And he runs to dad and tells on him. And his brothers hate him. And they continue to grow in hatred of him. And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 5. It says that Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose above yours and stood upright. While wow, your sheaves gathered all around mine and bowed down. He says, guys, guys, we were, you got to get this. We were out in the field and we were all working together and, and we were gathering these sheaves of grain and wheat and, and, and mine stood up and, and yours just bowed down. to. Do you guys realize how awesome I am? Like one day you're all going to bow down to me. This is not good for Joseph when his brothers already hate him. And not only that, his brothers weren't these like teenage football players. These were like stone-cold murderer dudes. Yeah, you could just go read the Bible. It's in there. (laughs) So Joseph's like, guys, youngest brother's going, hey, I'm already dad's favorite. I know, but you don't really understand how awesome I am. There's this sheaves, and, and all of you guys bow down to me, and they're like... Are you kidding me? You think we're actually going to bow down over you? You think you'll rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream. I mean, these brothers were like, we can end that. We just kill him and he ain't going to dream no more. So he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me, he says, "Guys, you don't get it. Look how awesome I am. The sun and the moon, yeah, that, that represents mom and dad, and the eleven the eleven stars. That's you guys. Do you know how amazing and incredible I am as an individual that all of you would bow down to me?" And see, dad overhears this conversation, and he he simply says. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, Joseph, you're an idiot. No, he didn't. He said, he said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I want to give you two types of dreams, two dreams that I believe that God wants for your life and he wants for my life. The first dream that we see in Joseph's life was this, God gave him a dream for where he currently was. I think far too often, you and I live our current day-to-day dreamless. And when we live it dreamless, we won't have hope, we won't have peace, we won't have fulfillment, and we won't step into all that God has for us currently. The first dream, Joseph goes out into the field and he's gathering sheaves. His hands are in the ground. He is working this dream out. I think for far too long, there have been people in your life and in my life, people who come to church week in and week out who aren't stepping into God's plan. They're just waiting for somebody else to do it. The things that you're passionate about, the things that God has placed in your heart are what he is calling you to fulfill in the world. I talk with people all the time and and they'll say, pastor, I got this great idea. And normally it's not that great. Of an idea, but sometimes there are great ideas. Pastor, I got this great idea. This is what you should do. And every single time I'll say, Yeah, but God put that passion in you. You do it. The local church is geared for, wired, built, and designed to help you fulfill your. God-given purpose. Don't pass it off on somebody else. Step in to God's calling on your life. Step into the dream for where you currently are. You need a dream for where you're at, but it will require you to work. A God-honoring dream is filled with work. It's not easy. It requires you and I to, to get our hands dirty, to actually step in, because if it doesn't have work, it's not a dream, it's an idea. We got a lot of Christians filled with ideas. We need people who are passionate, filled with dreams, and are willing to work and do something about it. I love what God tells Moses in Exodus. He says, he says hey, Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to send you to do it. It was a really big dream to rescue all the people, but it required Moses to take the next step. I believe that God wants to give you a dream for where you're currently at. I believe God wants to give you a dream for that job you feel like is a dead end. I believe God wants to give you a dream for those kids you haven't figured out if you really like or not yet, right? Like I believe, come on, some of y'all got kids and you know you don't like them. (laughs) I believe God wants to give you a dream for that marriage you feel stuck in. I believe that God wants to give you a dream for your life, but it requires you and I to work Joseph's first dream is about him working in the middle of the field but sometimes doesn't that get difficult for you and I like isn't it difficult to just keep working at a dream you feel like will never come to fruition yeah. no matter where you're at today here's what I believe for what first Corinthians 10 31 teaches us so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do turn about somebody and say whatever Put some attitude in it. Turn to somebody else and say, whatever. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Whatever. Hey, if you work a nine to five, you can still do it for the glory of God. If you work at McDonald's, you can still do it for the glory of God. If you're out in the field all day baling hay or shoveling crap, you can do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I believe that a God-honoring dream requires work. And I believe that whatever dream God has placed in your life or where you currently are should involve the local church in some capacity. I believe if you don't know what you're called to, the local church is the best place to figure it out. I believe if you're struggling with purpose and fulfillment and don't know what to do, it's time for you to get in the game and start serving. Like if, if, if I was a football coach, I'd say get your butt off the bench, right? But I'm a pastor, so I wouldn't say that. Get in the game. Start serving in the local church. Start making a difference. Because when you invest your life into something that's bigger than yourself and you get your hands dirty and you're willing to work and you get to see people's lives change forever, it makes all The difference in the world. The second dream we see, Joseph is talking about the the moon and the stars. We're going to pull that verse back up. It, It says this in verse number nine, that Joseph had another dream. He said, in this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. I believe the next dream that God wants for your life and my life is that God gave him a dream that required God's hand. In other words, the dream that you have in your life has to be bigger than just you. God gave Joseph the first dream, and his hands were in the field. He was planting, he was sowing, and he was harvesting. Because whatever you plant in the current season God has you in will take harvest in future seasons. We don't expect to harvest what you're not willing to sow. So he plants seeds in the first one. His hands are dirty. But the second one, he walks out and he looks up at the stars in the sky and things are moving and it's out of his control. It required God's hand at work. Psalm 121 verse 1 through 2 says that I look, I lift my eyes to the heaven, lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of of the heavens and earth. It required Joseph to have a supernatural power outside of himself for it to actually be accomplished. This is a God honoring dream. It's a big dream. It not only takes a mighty God to move the sun, the moon, and the stars, but it takes a real mighty God to get mom, dad, and 12 brothers who hate him, 11 brothers who hate him, to bow down to him. Whatever God is placing in your heart as a dream for your life will require it to be bigger than you. It requires a mighty hand of God. But the part about dreaming that nobody likes to talk about is that a God-honoring dream is filled with waiting. Like we live in, I like, I like to think we live in this microwave society where we like everything like quick fix fast food easy like like if i have a dream that i'm going to become a fortune 500 cfo i should be able to to just graduate college walk in and be there it doesn't work that way it like like i would be lying to you if i said a dream a big dream in your life is not going to take time it's going to be difficult at times. It's not going to make sense, the things that you're currently going through. And We'll look at Joseph's life in a second, but I remember when we were dreaming about planting Propel Church. I realized, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, so we went and got some training from an organization called ARC at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, and we were sitting there with church planters, and, and this is where, like, like we were all getting to kind of know each other and, and things like that. So we were talking about what city we were launching in, kind of when we were getting started and and the population of the areas we were going into. And so I remember talking with guys who were coming from, you know, Phoenix who had like 1.5 million people in it and and people were coming. Into places in Florida with five hundred thousand people, and they were going into Atlanta and all of these big cities where hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people are in. And then it would be my turn to talk, and I'd say, "Well, um, we're going to this place called Mount Pleasant, North Carolina. Oh, how many people are there? I don't know, like like sixteen hundred. <laughs> like are are you are you missing zeros? No." No, I'm not missing zeros. Like, why in the world would you go there? Because that's the dream that God put in our heart. And we knew because what everybody would tell Tori and I is, hey, hey, like, are are you sure you want to launch large? And you've told us about this big dream. And the dream that God had placed in our heart is larger than the current town, the population of Mount Pleasant. I argued with God about planting the church here. I was like, dude, look, send me to the West Coast. I'll deal with Mormons for the rest of my life. Like, just don't, it's Mount Pleasant, you know. But he put the dream in our heart. And what people told us was impossible, God steps in and says, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm possible. So I read verses like Luke chapter 1, verse 37, which says, for nothing is impossible with our God. And it gives me hope, it gives me courage that no matter what season I'm stepping into, no matter what I'm going through, if I have a dream that is God-honoring, it's going to be big, and it may take a while, but it'll be worth it. If I dream a dream that is big and God-honoring, I believe that, that what I see as impossible, what the world sees as impossible, is possible for God. That nothing is too big for Him that he is a mountain mover, he is a game changer. With him, all things are possible. I believe that God wants you to dream big because if you can accomplish your dreams on your own, they are not God-honoring dreams. The dream for your life has to be bigger than you, has to be bigger than yourself. And so I'm in Arizona, and I'm, I'm learning about dreaming, and, and God and I are talking about the church, and we're talking about the future, and, and all of a sudden, I feel this prompt to climb a mountain. And I was like, that's how you know it's from the Lord, because your boy don't climb mountains. And so I walk out of the church we were in, and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to climb this mountain. Got my Chelsea boots on. These are not climbing shoes. And I started walking. I see this little mountain, like right beside the big mountain, and I was like, oh, that's the perfect one. And he was like, no, it's not. So I'm climbing this mountain. And mind you, I, I told you, Phoenix was cold. It was 32 degrees outside. I'm climbing this mountain. I'm going to the top, and God and I are having some conversations about big dreams, big dreams. I said, God, I'm, I'm going to dream really big. I said, you know what? God, one of the dreams that I have, we were, we were talking about church attendance, and there were some dreams that I was praying for my wife and I. And, and I said, God, you know what? Uh, we've got big vision. we got big plans. We, we've got a big dream for not only this church and, and where we're at now, but we have a, a dream in our heart to plant more locations and send out church planters and equip people for ministry. And so, here's what I'm gonna do: I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe you for big things. the The largest check anybody's ever an individuals wrote the church was like three or four thousand. God, I'm believing that this year is gonna be a ten thousand dollar. Somebody's gonna write a ten thousand dollar check. And then I waited. I was expecting God to like, you know, pat me on the back and say, "Nice." I didn't get nothing. And then I felt this prompt in my spirit that said, is that it? I said, (laughs) 11,000. And right then in that moment, I felt God say, Nick, I could just as easily send you a million dollars as I could 10,000. How big do you think I am? A God honoring dream believes God for the impossible. And so we were like, Pastor, what what would you do with a million dollars? We got ten million dollar plans in <laughs> Jesus' name. <laughs> There's so many things I want to share with you, but I'm gonna share it in a few weeks, it's gonna be incredible. Believe God for the impossible. So when Tori and I were were hearing all these church planters talk about, um, you know, what was going on, and, and and like I remember one coach was like, Hey, the here's what you gotta do if you want to launch large and launch well, you need to send out a 10,000-piece mailer in order to plant the church. And I laughed out loud in that moment. Sometimes I just can't contain it all. And, uh, and I looked at Tori and said, currently, there are 692 homes in Mount Pleasant. And you ask, how did you know that? It's because we were doing these things called Every Door Direct Mails through the post office because one of the things I want to encourage you with is while you wait, you can work. So God gave him a dream for where he currently was. He gave him a dream that was bigger than himself, but while Joseph waited, he was working. While Joseph waited, he was faithful in the little things. Number three this morning is that a God-honoring dream will be tested. A God-honoring dream will be tested. You ought to be concerned if you don't receive pushback from the dreams and the movement and the momentum that you have in your relationship with God. Because the enemy attacks what he is concerned about. A God-honoring dream will be tested. So when we look at Joseph's life, I'm just going to kind of walk you through what the rest of his life looks like. Joseph will leave that day, and you would think what would happen is, because he told the people about the dream that honored God, he walked into the living room. Everyone was bowing down, ready to worship at his feet. It didn't know how it happened. Dad sends Joseph on an assignment to go out into the field to gather some stuff and to work to bring back a report. And while Joseph is out in the field, his brothers see this as a perfect opportunity to get him. So they're talking. What they do is they they beat him up, they tie him up, and they throw him in a cistern. And now they're arguing about whether or not they're going to kill him. Joseph can hear those things in this moment. Going back and forth, back and forth. We should kill him. No, we shouldn't do that. We should kill him. No, 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 no. Let's not kill him. And then at, around that time, A caravan is coming through on the way to Egypt, and they sell Joseph into slavery. In that moment, it doesn't look like the dream that God had given Joseph will come to pass. But Joseph doesn't start asking why. He doesn't start blaming God. He doesn't start fussing at God for his current situation or circumstance. What Joseph does is he chooses to remain faithful where he's planted. He chooses to honor God even in the little things. And you may be here asking why today. You, you may be angry with God or frustrated with God, and your question is, why would this happen? I mean, Joseph has every right to start going, God, why in the world, if you gave me this big dream for my life, are my brothers now tied? Ty- I thought they were supposed to bow down to me, not beat me up. And not only that, God, but now I'm... I'm getting sold into slavery. I had this great house. I, I had this great family. And none of this seems to make any sense. Joseph's not asking why. He's saying, God, I'm going to remain faithful to you, even in the middle of whatever circumstance I'm going through. I said this at the, the 9 a.m. service, and I, and I want to tell you as well. Why is an okay campground, but it's not a good place to build a house? Like if you're stuck at why, you can camp there for a couple of days. But if you choose to build a house on it, you'll just become bitter. So Joseph doesn't ask why. He's not complaining. He gets sold into slavery. And at Potiphar's house, where the, the people who purchase him, he's faithful to honor God. And he continues to work while he waits. Potiphar takes notice of him and says, man, you are an incredible worker. I see great leadership in you. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you keys to the kingdom. I want you to rule over these people. You're going to be my right hand. Man, I'm leaving town for a couple of days, and, and I'll be right back. The problem was Potiphar is not the only one that took notice of Joseph. Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph as well. Potiphar's wife saw this young, strapping Hebrew man, and she said, hey, boy, I want some of that. That's the hip-hop translation. And he said, no. And Joseph isn't just saying no to her because he doesn't want to sleep with her. He's saying no because of the plans and the dreams that God has placed in his heart. Because when you have a dream for your life, when you know where you're going, you understand that the decisions you make today affect tomorrow. So Joseph said, no. No, I'm not going to settle for, for sleeping with you now because one day when the promises of God are fulfilled in my life, when the, when the dreams come to pass, I'm not going to have to have secrecy. I get to have Intimacy. He said, I'm not going to settle for this right now. So he says no, and he turns and he runs away. And as he's running from this woman, she snatches his coat, and now she cries rape to tell people he came on to me, and he didn't. Much like Jesus, Joseph was imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. And Joseph doesn't sit there and go, Why, God, why? Why are you doing this? No, in prison, he takes a moment. He finds out there's these guys who are having some trouble with the dreams that they're having. And one of the guys who was in prison just happened to be Pharaoh's official. And he has these nightmares and these dreams. And Joseph steps in because he's working while he waits. And in the middle of his prison, he begins to tell this guy about the dreams that he has. And as he's talking with him, as he's teaching him, as he's helping him out, he says, Hey, when you get out of prison, just remember me. I think it's interesting that God can turn a prison into a palace if you're willing to work with him in the moment. So he's talking, he's helping this guy. This guy gets out of prison, he goes back to be one of Pharaoh's officials, and guess what he did? He forgot Joseph. Until Pharaoh started having these nightmares. And he said, dude, oh, you got a guy in the basement. And he does dreams. We should get him. They bring Joseph up, they clean him up, they shave him, get him all looking nice, and Pharaoh begins to tell him these dreams that he's having, and Joseph interprets them, but he not only interprets them, he gives him a plan of action, because was gonna be this big famine that's coming through the land, and when that happens, everybody's gonna be devastated, but he says, hey, there's a way you can store up crops and be ready for this famine that's gonna take place, and if you do that, you do that, man, you'll make so much money. It'll be incredible. The people will bow at your feet and it'll be amazing. And the Pharaoh looks around and says, does anybody else have a better plan? No. Okay. And he elevates Joseph to be one of his royal officials. A couple years later, the famine happens. Joseph is, is governing over all of the crop distribution. And while he was prepared because of the dream that he had in his heart that God had placed in him, his family back home wasn't. There was no food at the house, so dad sends brothers to Egypt to get food. His brothers come, bow down at his feet, not realizing it's Joseph, and say, we need help. And in this moment, Joseph got to see the dream come to pass, because he was faithful to serve God throughout the whole process. I believe that what God wants for your life and my life can be summed up in this last point that I have for you. A God-honoring dream requires you to abide. It requires you to remain. Scripture uses terminology all throughout it about persevering and just how the trials that we go through produce character and perseverance. And and what you're currently facing and what you're currently going through is building you into the person that you're becoming to glorify and honor God in anything. But a God-honoring dream requires us to abide. John 15, 7 through 8 says, if you abide in me. So there's a conditional promise. Yeah, I have great things for you. I have great things. And so I want to put An incredible dream in your life and in your heart. But if you abide in me and and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. My Father is glorified in this that you might bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What God is challenging you and I with is to see the dreams that he's placed in our heart come to pass if we abide. If we remain if we go through the hardships and the uncertainties and while we're waiting, we choose to honor God, to say, hey God, whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm facing right now, I will glorify and honor you with whatever. That's how you and I not only have a dream for our life, but we have hope with wherever we're currently at. I realize for some of you today, you feel like you have no hope. The same God who made everything come to pass for Joseph is the same God that wants to move miracles in your own life. And I love the perspective, you can go back, I think it's Genesis chapter 48 where we see everything come to fruition. But when Joseph's brothers finally realize it's him, they actually think that he's going to kill them, that he's going to get revenge. And he gets to look at his brothers and say, hey, you're forgiven because I know what you intended for evil, my God used for good. I wonder what your life would look like if you carried that same perspective. And everything you were going through, every attack of the enemy, everything you were currently facing was no match for God's plan and God's purpose for your life. A God-honoring dream is bigger than you. And I believe that each and every single one of us, the dream that God has placed in us needs to make an eternal difference in the world. For some of us here today, that means we surrender our own plans and our own will and our life over to Jesus. We surrender control. We give God a blank check and say, hey, here's my life. Do something. Do whatever you want to with it. When you do that, here's what I'll promise you. His plans are way greater than anything you could have dreamed up on your own. So for just a moment, I want to take a second with every head bowed, every eye closed in the room. And I want to give you an opportunity to embrace Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that God will meet you wherever you are. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're currently going through, God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. The question is, will you fully surrender everything to him? If that's you in here today and you say, hey, I feel God drawing me, I feel this pull on my heart. It's not by accident. God brought you here for a reason and you say, hey, I I, want to surrender my life to Jesus, would you just boldly throw your hand up and you can put it right back down? I see those. I see those. Yeah. Amen. Here's what I want to do, church. Nobody's going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, will you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions for Jesus today? I want to say one more prayer over you because I believe that there are many of you who came in here today, and you don't have a dream for your life. There's not a dream in your heart, but I believe God wants to put one in you that is bigger than whatever you thought was possible. And so would you just do this for a moment? Would you just lift your hands in the air? I'm going to pray over you, ask that you'd receive all that God has Dear Jesus, I love you so much. I thank you for every person in this room. Right now, I pray for fresh dreams, fresh vision for their life. Lord, I pray that you would equip them and enable them to dream bigger dreams than they ever thought were possible. Lord, because we thank you that nothing is impossible for you. God, I pray that we would increase our level of expectation, knowing that you are faithful and can overcome any obstacle in our way. Lord, we love you.